The text for today's message is going to be 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This is known as a general epistle of John. It's not written specifically to any church in particular, but it would be a circular letter, one that would be passed among the churches as he wrote to encourage them. At this time, he is the last living apostle. All the others have been martyred by this time. This probably is written in late 90s or close to 100, and John himself would be much older, very old at this point. But the things that he writes as he is led by the Spirit is a fitting cap to the New Testament because it is very raw and um, uncluttered truth. He just tells it like it is, and the things... Here this morning, I hope we'll we'll touch our hearts and help to instruct us. John chapter 3, I want to pick it up in verse 11, and we'll read down through verse 24. 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 24, reads as, as the Bible says, verse 11, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren." But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. Hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Let's pray. Father, I ask your blessing now on this time together, that you would draw our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, remove the distractions, remove the uh, things that might get in the way, and that your word would speak clear to our hearts, and that you would do the work that only you can do, whether it's conviction of sin, or whether it's strength that you give, or opening our eyes to maybe some of our shortcomings. Lord, I ask that you do that now, and that you would help me to say only what is needed. I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we were supposed to be in Romans today. I think I had even posted on the news, on the website and all that. We were supposed to return back to Romans, pick it up in chapter 8 and start talking about uh, the law of the Spirit and the law of the the flesh and what the difference is between us. But to be quite honest, I tried. (laughs) I tried for like three or four days. And there, there are times when I... I'm trying to piece together a sermon when I, when I know the Spirit is leading and, and the thoughts come. And then sometimes it feels like a brick wall time after time. And this was one of those times. Just, poof, this, this is not going to happen. So I kind of stepped back and, 
sought the will of God and sought his mind and his heart on, on what, the, what would be helpful to the church. And this is where we landed here in 1 John chapter 3. And let me just kind of give you a little bit of background of, of why we are here this morning. Earlier in this week, I read several, several articles that came across my attention speaking of a, of a well-known pastor who stepped down from his church recently. I think it was April 30th, if I remember right. Simply got up. I don't know if he got up in the pulpit, but he was on Twitter. and He just said, I'm dropping a bomb. I'm walking away. I'm done. This is all false. He left everything. Everything. And this is someone who renounced his faith after spending 40 years professing to be a Christian. He said, all of it's false. And 20 of those years were a pastor. So he wrote a rather long statement on Twitter detailing all of his reasons. This is why I left and this is why I think this is all false. And uh, he says this was a, a decision that was decades in the making. Now listen, you know me, normally that, whole, that falls into the, oh, that happened category in my mind. Yeah, that's nice, and I move on, and I don't really give it much thought after that. But there was something I read in his statement that stuck in my brain. And I haven't been able to shake it. And maybe this is where it's coming from, and I hope it, it speaks to some hearts this morning, but... Basically, to restate that statement in a pulpit-friendly way, he said, church people treat each other like garbage. How can these be God's people when they treat each other the way that they do? I can go outside and be truly loved, but it's a sad day in the church when we treat each other the way that we do. Hmm. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. The other reasons he gave are wrong, self-centered, and it kind of leads one to believe if he was ever saved to begin with, the way he talks about certain things. But that statement rang in my ears because there's truth to it. There's truth to it. Was he struggling in his faith, maybe, and he was pushed on down the line by people that didn't love him like he should have, like they should have? How many times has that happened or how how much does that happen? I think he has a point there. Let me just state it clearly. It does happen. And way too often. Way too often. In church, instead of love, instead of Christ, instead of this Christ-like love and tenderness and mercy and grace, which is what the church should be, there can be jealousy or bitterness or anger or malice, selfishness. I don't know the reasons why. I, I, I don't know how it creeps in. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it could creep in, but quite frankly, none of them are good ones. None of them are valid. But it gets into the church way too often. And that is wrong. Let me just say that this morning. That's wrong. It is wrong for a church to act like that. And I wonder how many have been turned off or have been pushed away by that sort of failure within a local body of Christ. To to love like we should. And that's what I want to speak to that this morning because it can be convicting to me. And I think this morning it's good that we do a health check of our own hearts. Do I love like I should? Do I love others as Christ has loved me? Do we as a body love others as Christ has loved us and given everything for us? 
Because clearly, I don't want anybody to walk outside of this church and say the same thing. So let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what John says. Pick it up in verse 11. It's kind of right in the middle of a thought. First, second, third John. It's one of those books you can't really break up because John just, man, he just lays it out. He reminds me as if this would be my grandfather writing a letter. There's no filter. There's no worrying about what people are thinking. This is the way it is. <laughs> Either you love God or you don't. Either you walk with Him or you're lying to yourself saying you don't sin. That's, that's the things he, kind of things he says here. And so I appreciate his, his truthfulness and his frankness here as he speaks. And he picks it right up in verse 11. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What's that message? What's he talking about? What message has he heard? He's talking about what Jesus Himself actually said. This is a restatement of John chapter 13. Let me read you what Jesus says there. We're there in the upper room. He's among His disciples and He's giving them instruction, uh, commandments before He is taken to the cross to die for sin. Here's what He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are My disciples, if ye have love one to another. The command has always been in the Bible that we are to love. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our mind, right? Jesus makes it new when He adds, as I have loved you. We're not to just love each other based on emotion or based on convenience or based on family or based on acquaintance. No, we love as Christ has loved us. And John was sitting right there when Jesus said it. John heard that with his old ears, with his own ears. And he writes when he's older, this is the message we heard at the start. It hasn't changed. Time hasn't changed it. Listen, we can say that thousands of years later. The message hasn't changed. We are to love one another as Christ has loved us. That's what we heard. In fact, that's how we were saved, isn't it? We were saved by the love of Christ and given Himself on the cross for our sins. And it was probably that love that turned our heart towards Him, right? He loved me so much that even while I was a sinner and I was condemned to an eternity in hell, He loved, himself, he loved me so much that He gave Himself for my sin. That's the message. We love one another as He has loved us. John had, all, had heard all the times that Jesus spoke about love. He had seen all the times that He demonstrated it. And he was there in the upper room when that specific and binding command was given. What does Jesus say? Hey, you know, guys, um, i got a really good thought for you. Probably be good if you tried to love one another. Is that what he said? A new what? Commandment give I unto thee. You're gonna, you need to do this. I'm commanding you to do this. You need to love one another as I have loved you. People will see that and they will see that you're mine. This isn't an option. The church is to love each other with a Christ-like love. Now, I won't take the time to go into the Greek words and all that. You, maybe you know, maybe you don't. There's a lot of different words for love. But this is a specific one. It's agape. I'm sure you've heard about that before. and Maybe you have a sense for what that means. It speaks of a self-sacrificing love. It speaks of a love that's not based on circumstances. 
or emotions. Sometimes it's easy to love people when they're lovable. And when they're not, well, things can change, right? Agape love is a love of the will, a love of the choice. Like in, I choose to love you even when you're unlovable. I choose to love you even when you fail repeatedly and repeatedly over and over. Because that is the kind of love that Christ has for us. In fact, when it speaks of, when the Bible speaks of Christ's love for us, it uses that word agape. There is nothing lovable in us when it comes to God. We're sinners. We've turned our back on Him. We are offensive to Him, but yet He still loves us enough to reach down to redeem us, doesn't He? That's the picture of agape love. Sometimes it's easy to love people. When times are good, when we're all getting along. But sometimes, sometimes, beloved, you're going to have to love people in spite of themselves. When they're tripping up and spilling their milk all over you. You're going to have to love them and choose to do so. Why? Because that's the commandment given to us. That's the love that God has for us. And it's a marker of His people. It should be evident. There's something different about this group of people. The way that they speak to one another, the way that they love each other, the way that they treat me when I walk in, there should be something different. Because we are a people of love. And on the other hand, the lack of it will also be noticed instantly. It will be very evident. Plain and simple, that's what John's laying out at the beginning. We need to love one another. Not because we're told to, but because we truly love each other and we truly count each other as precious. I hope that we feel that. I know that we feel that about each other. This, is, this place, these people are precious to us because we know what they mean to God. We know what they mean to me. And This is a love that is different from the world too. I think it's pretty safe to say the world bases love on what you can do for me, right? What can you do for me? Or what can you offer me? Or what kind of a benefit are you to me? Um, that's not the love of Christ. This love springs from a new heart. Because when we come to, to know the Savior and saving faith, when we trust in Him for salvation, the Bible tells us we're born again. The Bible tells us we're a new creation. We're a new man. So now that old worldly way of thinking, that old world filter that all my emotions run through, that, that all my actions run through, that's gone now. I am a new person with new emotions, new patterns, new life springing up within my heart. So there's new patterns for my loving. There's new reasons to love. And it's God's reasons, not man's. The problem is we can get comfortable. You've seen it. Somebody gets saved, gets baptized and all that, and man, they're on fire, right? They love everybody in the world. They want to tell everybody in their family, everybody in the neighborhood. They don't care. They love them. They don't want them to go to hell, so they're going to tell them about Jesus, right? That is part of and a show of the love that's springing up within their heart. They want people to know Jesus because they've fallen so in love with Jesus and they know what He can do. Well, as time passes, sometimes we get comfortable, don't we? And we kind of fall back from that and we allow some other things to start getting in the way. And the same thing can happen within a church body. We get comfortable with each other. 
And now instead of being, viewing each other as the precious brother in Christ or the precious sister in Christ, as eh, just them. You got to be careful. We're letting guardrails down now to allow some old ways of thinking back in. We're a new creation. And we can, if we don't keep that on our minds and in our hearts, it's very easy, easy for us to become bitter again or maybe insecure or jealous or there's a hundred different reasons. And we need to guard against it. The message we have received at the beginning is still the same message we operate. We should love one another as Christ has loved us. Now, something must have been going on here for John to write this. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think I got a pretty good idea. History and tradition tell us that John spent his later years, after he came back from the Isle of Patmos and the writing of Revelation, he spent his later years and died in a very well-known city, Ephesus. That should ring some bells, right? You think that's an important city in Scripture? Yeah. That's a very city that had the church of the Ephesians in it. That very city with that very well-known church who received a very well-known letter straight from Jesus in Revelation. And what did that letter say there? You have left your first what? Love. You've left your first love. This is pretty serious. You've fallen out of love with Jesus, and that's a serious matter. And Jesus, in fact, says you best repent and get back to doing the first works, or else you stop being a church. I will remove your candlestick. So then love becomes very important now, doesn't it? They had fallen out of love with Christ and it was affecting their spirituality. It was affecting their effectiveness. They had become cold and dead in doctrine and it was affecting their relationships. Let me just say this morning, as we dive a little bit deeper into this, that if we find any trouble in our own hearts with loving the brethren, there's probably a problem with our our own relationship with Christ and loving Him. That's usually where it starts and it starts to work out in other areas. And maybe we need to get back in touch with Christ on our knees before Him, loving Him more like we should. Because the two go hand in hand. That's one of the themes that run through 1 John. If you love God, you're going to love your brother. If you don't love your brother, you really don't love God like you should. Because the two go hand in hand. Let's see what John says. Verse 12. The commandment is there. This is the message that you love one another. Verse 12. Not as Cain. Not like Cain who was of that wicked one. That's a a pretty heavy statement. Not like Cain who was influenced from Satan and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world... Hate you. Why did Cain kill Abel? Conviction? Jealousy? Listen, the command was simple bring a sacrifice before God. Abel did what was right, Cain didn't. And both of them knew. And Cain failed to follow the instruction, and when 
he was rejected, he got mad and ultimately killed his brother. His sacrifice was wrong, he chose to do it, and Abel's faithfulness was right there to call him out. And I don't think Abel, Abel was going, ha ha, look at you, you got rejected. No. He was just there doing what he's supposed to do. This is what God said to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And God told Cain, yours is rejected. Listen, Satan can use that to get a hold of us. Satan used that to get a hold of him, and ultimately he murdered his brother. We should expect that from the world when the world is convicted. You can go to someone on the street and tell them the gospel. That man is a sinner. We're condemned because of our own sin. We stand guilty before God, facing an eternal judgment, an eternal hell, if we do not repent and believe on Jesus who gave His life to save us from sin. There are some parts of that message that are offensive to the human, fleshly, fallen mind. You're saying that I'm a sinner? You're saying that I am not right before God? You're saying that I will die and spend forever in hell? What are you talking about? And the human mind can reject that, right? We should expect that from the world. Where we should not expect that is from within. We should not expect that from within. Listen, beloved, I've seen way too many crime scenes in a church. I'm not talking about yellow tape and body outlines. I'm talking about wounded hearts walking around. Someone can be living right, just doing what they should, living close to God, making right decisions, doing the right thing. And there's some people that just don't like them for that. Who do you think you are? It doesn't matter who it is, right? It could be a new member. It could be the pastor, usually number one target. But they just don't like them because they're always doing right and it usually calls out their own lifestyle, right? And the other person doesn't have to say a thing. They just do what they do. Well, then it usually starts. Who do they think they are? Can you believe them? Look how much they go to church. Look at how much he talks about reading the Bible. Can you believe that? Well, did you know he did this? Or do you know she says that? Just look at them. Really? What are we doing? What are we doing? That kind of an attitude has no place within a church. That is cancer. You know what cancer is? It's rogue cells. It's your own cells distorting the other own cells of your body and turning them rogue. It's your own body eating itself or mutating itself. And it goes up to another cell and infects it and it turns in the same and it does that throughout your body. Listen, that kind of an attitude will eat up and distort a church. From one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Gossip can kill a body. You don't think that's a big deal? Jesus does. You know that Jesus calls slander of your brother equal to murder? Listen Matthew chapter 5. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. And whoever shall murder shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. He's making it equal. You see that? And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which is an insult, whoever insults his brother 
shall be in danger of the council, and whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I think it's a pretty big deal to Jesus. And so it ought to be a big deal to us, because that is not how Christ loves us. When you were convicted of sin, remember back to your salvation, when it hit you that you were a sinner and lost, was Jesus there pointing His finger in your face saying, you're an idiot? How could you, th- how could you do this? How could you live that way? No, He wasn't, was He? It didn't feel good. I mean, I remember that. It didn't feel good. I was scared and I was uncomfortable and I, was, I felt guilty. But it was that gentle leading of the Spirit that led me to there to say, man, I need Jesus. Think of now, after, even after we have trusted Him and asked Him to save us, even now when I mess up, is Jesus there beating it to our head? Or is He saying, hey, Ryan, you need to be better. Christ loves us with a self-sacrificing, tender love. And we ought to love, this, love our brethren the same. Jealousy can lead to the same thing. Cain was jealous of the success of Abel. And listen, we have all been blessed to different levels, whether it be job or homes or whatever. And when others succeed or when others gain a blessing or when others better themselves in some way, we ought to rejoice with them. Instead of tear them down. We should congratulate rather than congregate in gossip and bitterness. Because that attitude is a slippery slope away from God. That's not who we are. Are we not Christian? Trying to be Christ-like? Oh, Peter and John. We got a new boat. I'm going to sink it. Did Jesus say anything like that? No. We ought to love one another as Christ loves us. Look in verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. You understand? You understand where John's going? Here's how we know that a change has been made. Here's how we know we are a new man. Here's how we know that we are saved, that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. It's a product of the new man. It comes natural, spiritually. Here's how we know that we've passed from death into life. Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life biding in him. Some people want to equate this to salvation. Listen, there can be some false professions for sure. But we're talking about living in the new man or not. There ought to be within us a deep abiding love for our fellow brothers and sisters because they are precious to us as they are precious to Him. Do you realize how much we have in common in Christ together? We know Him as Savior. We have yielded our lives to Him. We are part of His body here. We are looking forward to His return and eternity with Him. That is a bond that we do not have with anybody else in the world. All the promises, all the love, all the mercy that God's given us. It's a love that looks beyond each other's sins. In fact, doesn't it say that love covers a multitude of sins? A Christ-like love looks past each other's failing at times. doesn't support it, but it looks past it to the person that God is trying to conform to His image. It's a love that's beyond this world. In fact, 
If it weren't for Christ, we probably wouldn't have anything in common. I probably wouldn't know some of you. No, this is a sign of God's work in us, that we are here, we love the Lord, we are together, united, and loving each other. That's how we know there's something different. Because we love these people. I can't explain it. Why? Because sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we say foolish things, but I just love them. I love them so much. Because of what Christ has done in me and what Christ has done in them. There's a sign that we've passed from death into life. And if we do not love our brother, we're abiding in the old ways. We're staying separated. Holding ourselves off. I pray that people can see love within my own heart. A tender spirit within my own heart for the brethren. Because that's a sign of the eternal light that is abiding within me. Of my walk with God. Somebody who is close to God is going to love those around him. And I want people to see that. Because someday, someday, we will spend eternity together. Do you know that? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's never going to end. And if in your mind, you're thinking, oh no, really? (laughs) With them? Perhaps that person that's in your mind, you need to make it right with. First with God, then with the other. Maybe it's just in your own heart. Because we are going to be in perfect fellowship forever. That's part of the promises that we have. Look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. Such a beautiful statement. There is no doubt in Scripture, there is no doubt in my mind how much God loves us. Does not the same John who writes this record the conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is how we know the love of God. He laid down His life for us when we have done nothing to deserve it. As a sinner, we stand in the place of the Roman guards who slapped Him in the face and spit in His face and mocked Him and beat Him and whipped Him. That's what our sins have done. That's what our sins cost Him. But yet He still loves us enough to give His blood and His life for our sins. I can't understand with my human mind how much God loves me. But I know it because He's shown it. This is how we perceive the love of God. Because He laid down His life. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. God's love is shown in the ultimate sacrifice. And I think, I think we need to... Are we willing to do the same for our brethren? Would we lay down our lives? Listen, I think... And deep down our core, we would say yes. If it came down to it, we would lay down our lives for each other. It should be that way at least. But, when it comes to the little things, we don't like to be inconvenienced. How can that be? When we might say, you know, I love, I love that church enough I give down its life. But don't call me on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm busy. 
Don't ask me to come over. I've got a weekend plan, don't you know? You see how things can get in and start causing havoc? Truly loving each other means we may have to sacrifice for each other. You just might have to drop everything on a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, leave work early, and go to a hospital room to sit with somebody. You might have to drop everything and be at a hospital room or a brother's or sister's house late into the night as they battle with something. You might have to give up your night's home with your family as you sit in another's home to give counsel or to pray for or to just be there to love that brother or sister. You might have to cover someone while they are weak. You might have to lift them up. You might have to give up your time to help them. That's part of what it means to truly love. See, agape love is not selfish. Yeah, there's some things I really need to do right now, but this is more important because I love them. That's not just my job, by the way. You could take a memo, write it down. That's not just my job as I shepherd the flock. I'll be there. But you can too because we love each other. 1 Corinthians 12 says, When one member suffer, all members suffer with it. One member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members individually. That's part of what it means to be a body. Christ didn't ask questions, did He? He went to that cross in an instant. He met the needs around Him in an instant. I'm reminded of the, the, the storm on the Galilee Sea where He's sleeping in the boat. I think He's sleeping because He's tired. He's exhausted. But yet they're out on the boat and raves, the waves start rocking the boat and they think, oh, we're going to die. And they go wake him up. Hmm. Had Jesus been like any of us, he just might have said, I'm sleeping. Leave me be. Give me another 20 minutes. Can't you see what's going on? But no, what does he do? He gets up, peace, be still. There might be things we have to drop for each other because we love each other. That's, that's the point. How do we know that God loves us? He shows us. How do we know that we love each other? We ought to show each other. Verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and this is not just in word, this is in action too, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother has need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's a very King James verse. He says basically what John's saying, you see one of your brothers has need, and it's talking about physical need, food or clothing or shelter or money, things along that line. You have that, you have that, and you see your brother's need, and you block off those mercies within your heart, that grace within your heart. How, do, how, how can you say you know God? How does the love of God dwell in you? Well, it's in Christ-like love is sensitive to the needs around us. There are some who struggle. You know that, right? There are some who struggle. And they might need help in a very physical way. Sometimes they say it. Sometimes they don't. What does it say? Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother. 
Maybe it's not a need that's expressed vocally, but he sees struggle. And if we do not respond to that in compassion, where is God in our hearts? If we have the ability, we should. We should be quick to. We should be eager to. We should be willing to. And let me just say this morning, you see that happen, you find yourself saying, well, why should we help? Check yourself. Oh, they don't need help. Check yourself. We're helping again. Check yourself. How many times, let me say it again, how many times has Christ come down to meet our need? Each and every time, He's there to help, He's there to strengthen, He's there to guide. And who are we to withhold that from somebody? Who are we to play money keeper, ration counter, judge, jury, executioner, for people walking a path we may know nothing about? How about we show a little compassion? How about we have a little grace and a little mercy and rise to meet the need? It just may be that God may be seen through that. It just may be that you might bless a person in ways you can never think of. It might just be that you will lift a burden. You will lift a burden off some weary and weak shoulders as they struggle along. It just may be that Christ may be evident in that show of love. but we would rather deny sometimes. We would rather make judgment calls. I thank God Christ doesn't do that to me. I thank God that He's forgiving and loving and merciful when I need. You know, we all struggle with sin, don't we? We have those things that trip us up. And you know what? Sometimes when we're forgiven, it's for the same sin that we just keep on doing, isn't it? And you find yourself saying, Lord, I'm here again. I'm sorry, I messed up again. What does Jesus say? Well, you know, you had this many chances and you should have done better there. Why didn't you do that? You don't need any help. Come on, you can make it. No, what does He say? I forgive you. And here, let me help you. Maybe we need a little bit more of that, a, a kind of heart like that in the church nowadays. I pray it's evident rather than obviously missing in hurtful comments and attitudes that are given. Let it not be so here. Let it not be that way here. Look in verse 18 as we move towards the finish. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue. That's easy. I think Jesus Himself addresses this when He says, somebody comes to you, or even your child, or maybe your friend says, hey, I need something. I think it's James, actually. It's still Jesus speaking, so it's all the same. The Bible says, let's put it that way. The Bible says, somebody comes to you and says, hey, I I need something to eat. Or "I I need a place to sleep. Or I need a blanket. And you stand at the door and say, peace, be warmed and filled. I love you, brother. What good does that do? It doesn't do any good, does it? Sometimes we need to do more than just pray for people. Pray for them, yeah. Help them. Because that's what love does. It's easy to love in word, in, in tongue. But he says what? Let us love them in deed or action and in truth. 
in action and in truth, with a Christ-like love. Verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. How do we know that we're of the truth? When we're loving in deed, and we're loving in truth. That's a marker of God's people. Don't just say it, show it. Well, maybe we need to say it a little more too, but let's show it. Let's back it up. Let's not just speak big about how much we can do. Let's do it. Just do it. Waiting for a perfect time or waiting for the perfect circumstance. No, we need to start now loving each other and showing that love. In the easy situations, in the hard situations, when people are lovable, when they're unlovable, in the good times and in the bad times. A love that looks past each other's failings to the person who is precious to God and is bought with His blood. Because you know the struggles in your own hearts, you don't know what struggles may be in theirs. You don't think that's a big deal? It's a big deal. Listen, let me tell you right now, when someone feels loved and when they feel supported, they feel wanted and appreciated, that helps and strengthens them in ways you can't imagine. Tough times are easier to get through when you know somebody's got your back and they love you truly. And they know it's just a phone call away. But when that's lacking, when someone doesn't feel loved or supported or wanted or appreciated, when they feel attacked and pushed down, It does damage you can't even imagine. It pushes them away. Listen, we can can speak all the truth of Scripture, but that rings hollow if it's not lived out in love. We can speak about being God's people. We can speak about being His servants, but if love's not there, it's useless words because it will never connect. And let me just tell you right now, there's communities within the world that are far better at showing love than his own people. Why do you think there is a LGBTQ community that is so strong? Because they show they love each other. When that love should be shown when they walk in the doors of a church. Not only among the church, but to the people that come out from the inside, come in from the outside. Because it's God's loved. God loves the sinner. God wants them to be saved. God loves His church. Calls it His bride. We ought to love each other the same way. Verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. I don't preach this to condemn anybody. I preach this first at myself. I know my own heart and my own failings to do this. To show or to speak like I ought to. And if your heart is condemning you, God knows. God knows. And He is greater than the obstacles or the attitudes that might stand in the way. So perhaps we ought to repent and pray for grace 
Maybe we need to offer forgiveness to somebody. Maybe we need to have the Lord root some bitterness out of our heart. Maybe we need to stop harboring an offense and make it right. God knows. That's between you and God. And He is the one who can help us change. He is the one that can make our heart tender again, if it needs be. Or maybe this morning you're good. If our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. If you think you're pretty good in that, then love people confidently. Because I'll tell you right now, you are an example to those around you. It is refreshing. Yes, it can be a little convicting. But it's refreshing to be around people that truly love each other. And your love does wonders. Keep it up because God is evident in you. And if we need help, well, simply think of this. Think how much Jesus loves you. He died to save you. Doesn't Romans chapter 5 tells us? Here's the, herein is the love of God commended toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When there was nothing good in me, nothing desirable, nothing to, to give to God but my own sin, Christ died for me to save me. And He forgives me over and over again, often for the same sin. And He's always there to help and comfort and strengthen me. And His promise is to bring me home to Him someday. Think of all the times that He has worked in your life and brought you through. In fact, we couldn't make it and we won't make it without Him, right? Now look around you. Because He's done the same for each one here. He's brought us together. Brought us together, called us to be a little community of heaven on earth here. All of us who, who know His love, all of us who know Him. We're here to love each other and to love the world, to spread the message. And chances are, let me just say this, in those hard times that God has brought you through, He used a brother or sister loving you through it to bring you through it. Let's finish with this thought in verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. What is pleasing in His sight? Here's the commandment, verse 23, that we should believe on the name of, the Lord, of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. <laughs> Pretty simple things God asks from us. Believe in Jesus, be saved, serve Him with our life, and love one another. And he that keepeth His commandments, verse 24, Dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. This loving attitude is a sign of the presence of God with us. It's a sign of God in our life. It's a product of walking close to God. It's what He wants us to do. And if we are not close to God, that is going to be off in our life. And when we are walking and loving like we should, it brings His favor Brings His blessing. We cannot expect to be blessed as an individual. We cannot expect to be blessed as a family. We cannot expect to be blessed as a church if we're not walking close to Jesus and loving each other like we should. In fact, that's how God is going to be seen in us. This is a sanctuary, not a shark tank. We come here to love, not get bitten. We come here to support, not get speared. 
We come here to heal. Love each other through the problems. Love each other through the junk you just walked through in the past week. Or the stuff you know that's coming. Because here Christ is all and in all. That's what it says. So his love better be evident like a neon sign. I want it to be said of me. I want it to be said of us as faith Baptists. Those people love each other. I can feel it. I can see it. They treat each other like gold. Not somebody walking out here, out of here saying, man, I can't believe how they treat each other. I don't know if you have own issues with your heart in this. I know it's a good time maybe to check our own hearts and see where I fail and where I lack. I think we all could be a little better, can't we? We could all love each other a little bit better. Perhaps it's time to, to like, take a look within your own heart and lay that out before the Lord. and Don't ignore it. Don't bury it down and wait for the last verse of the song so we can get out of here and go to lunch. No, right here and right now we need to take a gut check. Am I loving like I should? Maybe bring it before God and ask for His help. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this day and all that You've done. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your endless, boundless love that You have for us. That You've reached down to us while we were sin-sick and sin-stained and sent Christ to die for our sins. That You have loved us enough to draw us close to Yourself that we might have a, a deep and abiding relationship with You. We are not worthy, Lord, and we are so grateful and thankful for it. And so, Lord, help us to see that in your example and then to, in turn, love our brothers and our sisters with that same kind of love. It's hard sometimes, Lord, for our humanity. Things that get in the way, you, you know each heart and you, you know the things that would trip us up, Lord. I, sometimes it's hard to love like we should. I ask that you help us there. Remove those obstacles and those attitudes and the things that would get in the way, Lord, and help us to just truly and purely love each other. Help us to love the world around us, that we would want to see them saved and come to know you, Lord. You look into our lives. You see where we fail. Help us where we fail, Lord, and strengthen us and bring us and draw each heart to you. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.